Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. good it, it's time to get back to work right we, we we got to watch the playoffs without the royals being able to do much and now 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 here we go let's go let's start yeah this is where the fun begins i mean this is kind of the hot stove uh is going to heat up and we're going to talk a little bit about uh free agency and kind of give our predictions for some of the big free agents out there maybe even um you know if we can connect some free agents to the royals but i did kind of want to talk uh, first about free agency and the Royals in general. Uh, I know we're just at the outset of the off season here, uh, and we don't really know what direction the Royals will go. We have a kind of a, a new regime in place. I, you know, even though it's still JJ Piccolo, like it's kind of a new era of Royals baseball. But I want to get kind of your thoughts on just general direction on where the Royals might go. I mean, it, they seem like they've downplayed free agency a little bit, but there are some indications this week Andy Rogers had an article up at kcroyals.com about how they might pursue some pitching also some so perhaps they're looking for a veteran right-handed bat uh what are your kind of initial thoughts about uh, as we embark on the offseason about what the Royals might do yeah I think that they're I don't know the best way to put this um I, I think they're going to be pretty active it may not be necessarily in free agency but I think they'll be pretty active in player movement um but i I don't i don't think anybody they acquire well i shouldn't say that i think it's possible that something they acquire is is big time but i I don't think they're necessarily going to be making moves that sell tickets i guess is the best way to put that i think it's it's possible it's certainly possible they do but they are going to i i think what they're looking to do is make the bottom of the roster better and so not necessarily signing somebody to be their 26th man, but some maybe making their 20, 20th man, their 26th man, <laughs> you know, improving, improving the middle of the roster so that the middle of the roster is now the bottom, if that makes sense. And I think, I think that's kind of the plan is, Hey, let's eliminate huge holes. And after we see where we are with that, start to make the big moves. And so I think, I think that's where they're headed this winter. No, I, I totally agree. And I think what we've seen when, teams kind of have a new person in charge is that there is usually a lot of activity early on. I mean, you remember Dade Moore took over uh, a, a dreadful team and right. he still Don't made, work. he made a flurry of trades that summer, uh, yeah. you know, picking up Dallas yeah. Perez and uh, uh, Jorge Joey De La Rosa, Gath, right? Joey Gath, right? Yeah. Who could forget that trade? It was a kind of exciting time. I know those aren't big names, like you say, but 
Um, they were making moves to try to improve the team, and, and most of those moves didn't work out, but they were at least trying something. And I think, um, you know, I know J.J. Piccolo has been there for a lot, the last year, but like I said, I, th- I feel like this is a new era. And we, you know, they were pretty active in the summer where I feel like maybe that's when kind of the, the tide started to turn uh, towards him as far as control of the team. Uh, but, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think not necessarily with free agency, but I do think there are going to be a lot of moves made. Um, if they do go into free agency, uh, what are you saying that? No, not necessarily a big name, but, um, do you see them actually spending some money on a, on anyone on a multi-year deal or is it all kind of like one year, let's bring in a veteran or let's bring in a younger non-tendered guy and see what he can do? Yeah, I, mean, I don't necessarily think you're going to see more than like a maybe three-year deal. Um, yeah, I think it kind of depends on the player. If they get to mid-January and, I don't know, this might be a terrible example, but like Dansby Swanson is there and they're like, well, we can get Dansby Swanson for four years and $80 million. I think they might do that. I think that's something that they might jump on thinking, okay, this is for 2024, um, but he's available. Something like that. I terrible example because i don't think that would happen but i mean you get the idea i think in general though one two-year deals maybe a third year i mean you know not not to get into the names like taiwan walker didn't get a qualifying offer for example if if he required three years and 48 million they, they might do that i could see that um i don't see them giving him four years and 64 million um but i, I could see them going to three on a pitcher they really like, um, you know, they're not going to they're not going to swim in the Carlos Rodon waters. They're not going to. I mean, Clayton Kershaw looks like he's about to sign with the Dodgers, but um, or probably by the time people hear this, he has signed with the Dodgers. But um, you know, I just I don't see long deals. I think it's just the the short term ones. I don't. I would be very surprised if they sign anybody who's under contract beyond twenty five. And I don't think if they sign somebody for three years, there'll be one player maybe i don't i don't see more than one going that long yeah i tend to agree i think it's gonna be one year deals all around i don't i don't i I think they'll look for like you say kind of the uh inefficiencies in the market they'll look for the guys that kind of fell through the cracks um you know and if there's an opportunity out there where you know if it's a day like you know dansby swanson but you know that kind of player carlos correa last year probably not that kind of caliber player but i know what you're talking about like someone who just for whatever reason you know he's kind of still stuck out there no one signed him uh, and maybe he wants an opt out after a year or two, but I can see them maybe jumping on that. But I think yeah. it's mostly going to be yeah. like one year deals. Um, and most, I think they're going to be active with the, the non tendered guys, like the, um, you know, the the Rays are have a ton of guys that are arbitration eligible. Like some of them are probably going to get non tendered. I could see them maybe jumping on that route. So um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I wrote the other last week, two, I don't know, a couple weeks ago about. Um, two two guys, Yanni Torinos and uh, Ryan Yarbrough. I think those two. Even if they're not non-tendered and they're traded, um, I think they could make a lot of sense for the Royals. They need innings. I mean, it's plain and simple. They need innings no matter where they sit, whether it's long relief, middle relief, back of the bullpen, fifth starter, third starter. They need innings. And so I I, I, I could yeah, I think the Rays are a really good place to look if you're saying, hey, who might they move? Well, the Royals might be there to, to pick up whoever they might move, especially because their manager knows these guys. That, 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 I think, plays a role, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we see it all the time in baseball. Date Moore was accused of it very early, a lot early on right. in his tenures. Like, he always went to the Braves guys. But, I mean, he knew those guys. Those are guys he was familiar with, and that makes a lot of sense in baseball to kind of – feel comfortable, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's guys you at least know more about. You have more information than the other guy does. So it makes a little bit of sense. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, uh, I hope they don't go too overboard with that because, you know, I think Date Moore was accused of that early on of, of being too uh, reliant on ex-Braves, but – um, certainly, the Rays are not a bad organization to try to pooch from. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> I know you wrote about uh, some some free agents starting pitchers. I know the the pitching staff seems to be one area where they really do want to improve. Is there maybe a name or two that you're that maybe stands out to you as someone that could be you know a possibility for the Royals? I, I don't think they're be on Jacob Degrom or Carlos Rodon or anything like that. But there's a pretty decent class of mid tier free agents. Is there anyone you would have your eye on if you were running the Royals? I mean, number one for me was Chris Bassett, um, but he got a qualifying offer. I don't know. I'm not sure if that makes sense. I'm not sure if it makes sense for the Royals to give up their third-round pick for a guy who, I mean, probably isn't going to be there past. I mean, he might. I think the Royals could compete within the next two or three years. I don't I don't think it's impossible. I, I need to see what they do, obviously. I'm not going to say they're definitely making the playoffs in 2024, but it's possible. Um, I don't know if you give up a third-round pick, though, for it's possible. I think that that kind of takes him out of the ring. Tyler Anderson's another guy who a lot of people liked. I, I'm lukewarm on him, but with a qualifying offer, I'm completely out on him. Um, but, I mean, a guy like Zach Eflin, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, Sean Mania is somebody who maybe they could reunite with. I think we've talked about this. Ross Stripling, I think, makes a ton of sense for this organization, given... They have so much young pitching that, I mean, a lot of people have given up on, but we don't know what they are with proper instruction, which we don't know who's giving the instruction yet. So it's hard to hard to know for sure if they're going to get proper instruction. But I feel a lot better about whoever did give a call and Matt Quattrero higher than I did about Cal Eldred. So I at least feel like there's a start in that direction. Um, but if, if you look up in August, and the Royals' second best starter is Daniel Lynch. I'm not going to be surprised. Would you? I mean, he seems like he could he could take that next step. So I think a guy like Ross Stripling makes a lot of sense, knowing that he is pitching the bullpen. And if you give him two years and fifteen million, I don't know. Maybe that's low. Maybe I'm way off on that. But if you give him a two year deal, and he's got to pitch out of the bullpen for two thirds of that deal. Oh, yeah, he's, he's fine with that. You don't have to worry about him shifting there. So I think he makes a lot of sense from that group. Um, Jameson, did Tyon get a QO? Did you see that? I haven't seen him. Uh, I haven't seen a list yet. I know there was one circulating, but I don't know if Tyon got it. I can look that up real quick. Well, if, if he did, he's out for me. But, but if he didn't, then I, I think that um, he would make a lot of sense, too. I know he's in, he might get four years, so that's a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue. But um, I, I don't yeah, see him I on the qualifying offer list, by the way. So. I didn't see him. I didn't yeah. think I saw him either. So, so he would make some sense. I, another guy I mentioned, Wade Miley, I think would be really interesting. Uh, like we talked about, we're not we're not talking about them getting Carlos Rodon or or Degrom or you know any of those those huge massive contract pitchers that are out there. I mean, you're, you're not, 
you're not going to look at a guy that they sign and be really, really excited about it, I don't think. Um, but those are some solid pitchers who could really help the rotation in 2023 and maybe 2024, too. I think where they are and, and what they've kind of talked about and the, the organizations they want to emulate, I don't think there's any way they sign a pitcher that no. is attached to a qualifying offer at this point. So, I, yeah, I think Anderson, as enticing as he is, and uh, yeah, he's probably out at this point. Uh, yeah. Same with Chris Bassett. But uh, Zach Eflin, yeah, I, I agree with you on him. He's pretty enticing as a guy that, and I, I think you make a good point, could be in the rotation or the bullpen like Ross Stripling. Um, you know, those two guys – they could transition easily. If you know, try them as a starter, see if it works out. Kind of, I think that's kind of what they wanted to do with Luke Weaver. He just kind of sucked. Uh, but Zach right. Eflin, I think, offers it, it, a lot more promise. Yeah, and yeah. You know, Eflin's a lot more. He offers a lot more promise. He's younger. Uh, you know, I like free agents that are younger that are still in their prime and aren't on the way down. Um, and so Eflin Stripling's a little bit older. That would give me a little pause. But I think on a one or two year deal, that's fine. Like like you said, they need innings at this point. Um, and so that would make some sense to me. So I'm not expecting a big three or four year deal unless, you know, someone just kind of falls to the cracks. I'm not expecting a big name. Uh, I was kind of surprised. Noah Syndergaard is only 30 years old. I mean, it seems like he's been around for a while. Um, if you would, I would have guessed if you had said, Hey, tell me, you know, without knowing, obviously I would have been 34, maybe 30, maybe 33. Maybe he's as young as no, he's 30. Crazy. <laughs> he's younger than I thought, and Jacob Degrom is older than I thought because Jacob Degrom got started like really yeah. late. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I don't, I'm not expecting one of those name pitchers, but um, there's still a lot of. I think there's a lot of decent pitchers out there. They could they could uh, go out after. I yeah, I think this is going to be a market that's kind of inflated a little bit. I think teams are flush with cash. I think we have the labor yeah. deal behind us. Um, you know, I think there are teams that were tanking that, um, where you know. Are, are not going to be tanking anymore. They're, they're, the Orioles, I think, are going to be a little more active. The Tigers, um, I think we've already seen the Rangers are going to be pretty active. Um, so this could be a, a pretty inflated market. Maybe the Royals don't want to participate in that, um, but we'll have to see. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are some pitchers out there, I think, that could help help this team short-term and long-term. Well, we'll see if the Royals get one that, again in that, on that. That's a great point, real quick, about, like, all the teams who haven't spent and now look like they're going to spend. Even, even Seattle, um, I mean, they spent a lot on Robbie Ray, and they they gave a big extension to Julio Rodriguez and Luis Castillo and everything. So they spent some money, but their payroll is still really low. <laughs> have you have you seen? Like, I, I don't remember what the number is. Um, I can look that up real quick. But they, for, for as as good a season as they had, and how much money they spent on pitching, they are not in a bad spot. I mean, I. I wouldn't look past them to spend huge on somebody. I didn't have them on my free agent list um, just because I didn't find a fit, really. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they want to do with J.P. Crawford. So they ended the year, um, their opening day payroll was $104 million. <laughs> like, For that much talent, they, they added some, obviously. But um, the Royals' opening day payroll, according to Cots, I'm trying to pull that up, sorry, was... Ninety-four million, ninety-five million. <laughs> the Royals opening the payroll was nine million less than the Mariners. They, there's, there's some money to be spent out there this year. I think the, the Cots has them as projected as one hundred thirteen million for next year, but that's with a lot of arbitration eligible guys. That uh, yeah. some of these guys are surely going to cut Luke Weaver. I mean, for example, um, you know, set to make three million dollars. So, uh, yeah, I could see, I could totally see them being, you know, big spenders of the fan base. Has gotten a taste of the postseason. 
uh, they're they're going to fill out that stadium, I think, to see Julio Rodriguez. And, yeah. uh, you know, they've already committed to Luis Castillo. Yeah, I could see them going out and making a big a big splash this offseason. Kind of the time to do it. So, um, yeah, it'll I mean, be interesting. Honestly, the, the guy for them, Aaron Judge, oh. would be perfect. It won't happen. But Aaron <laughs> Judge in Seattle, like, I, if there's one team that signing Aaron Judge completely changes everything, I think it might be Seattle. Um, they adding that big bat with Julio Rodriguez and Ty France, which is weird to say Ty France is a big bat, but he has he's been legitimately good. Um, Cal Raleigh is these guys that would be really interesting. Not going to happen, but really interesting. <laughs> well, talk about energizing a fan base, and then there's some precedent. Uh, yeah. Hey, the Yankees have lost a free a big time free agent to the Mariners before, and Robinson Cano didn't yeah. work out for the Mariners, but there is that precedent. Uh, but You're right hey, here. Yeah, but that, anyway, that's a good segue to what I want to talk about is uh, I want you know I know you wrote an article about uh, you know free agent uh, predictions. I wrote one as well, uh, so I wanted to kind of go down the list, just kind of some of the top names, and talk about where we think they might up might end up. And let's let's start with Judge. And like I said, you know the Yankees they don't lose a lot of free agents. Uh, they seem to have more money than God, but the Giants at least are making some rumblings about making a strong run at him. I mean, the Mariners could certainly jump in on it. Where do you think he ends up? I mean, is this going to be? Is are the Yankees just posturing here, or um, is it? Could he really end up, uh, you know, outside of pinstripes after winning? You know, if he wins the MVP, uh, you know, the season after winning. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I, I think is important to remember. I mean, I, I would assume that you're you agree with this. I, I think that if you can predict any one team, I would take the field over any team on any free agent. <laughs> I think, except for maybe Clayton Kershaw, like everybody else is. Yes, the field over one team. So that that's important to remember. But with Aaron Judge, how did the Yankees let him go? How how could they say, "Oh no, that's too rich for our blood"? I mean, the Yankees. I don't know. If they say that, then I, just stop. Just give up. <laughs> it's just the only way. I, if Steve Cohen said, "I don't care what you want here. Here's 400 million over six years," okay, <laughs> yeah, I let him go. That's fine. But like, he's going to get eight to nine years and 300 plus million. The Yankees, no matter what, are not going to be that far off. How do they let him go? I think I think he's got to go back. I I, th- I think if he leaves after the season he had, Yankees fans will burn down the stadium. But yeah. what does give me pause is the the Steinbrenner boys are not like their old man. They are nope. a little bit more fiscally conservative when it comes to spending on the team, which I think has angered some fans. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know if they're going to break out the bank necessarily for Aaron Judge. I mean, if, it seems like if they would have signed him, they would have signed him by now. They had a star leave. I mean, we can say Robinson can, but nobody when he left, nobody was like, "Well, the Yankees are cheap now." No, it, it, he's not. Robinson Cano is not Aaron Judge. And they have not had a, ca- a free agent the caliber of Aaron Judge in a long, long time. I, I, I don't know. I, like you said, they're down the, the only way the only way they could let Aaron Judge walk is if they announce like three minutes after he signs with whoever that they've traded for Shohei Otani and locked him up for 10 years. I mean, that, that's the only way, I think, that they can that, that can happen. I just, I just don't see him leaving. It's it just... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm naive, but I, I don't think they can let him go. There's an article at the New York Post today from John Heyman 
that says the Yankees are interested in uh, Japan star Masataka Yoshida yeah. as a replacement for Aaron Judge, which I like Yoshida a lot. He's an on-base machine. He seems like right. I think he'll, I think he'll be a good you know transition to the states. He's not going to replace Aaron Judge. I mean, are you kidding he, me? He's an Andrew Benintendi replacement, not an Aaron Judge replacement. <laughs> so, slightly but, different players. But you can kind of see like how the Yankees operate through the media. Like, oh yeah, Aaron Judge. Well, we'll be fine without you. We've got Masataka Yoshida. We'll be fine. Well, the thing is, they probably would be fine without him. But man, that that's an unforgiving market, and they haven't won a World Series in what thirteen years now. I mean. Not it's funny. I, I, I side note. I love when the Phillies are looking for their first World Series win since 2008, and I'm going. A lot of teams would kill for the first since 2008. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, am still, I ancient? Am I old now? Like that's not like that long ago. Right. Well, right. I'm, I'm. I'm thinking. Wait, 2008 was like a like two weeks ago. Oh no, wait, no, it wasn't. But <laughs> it's um, yeah, 13 years in New York. I don't know if you got Aaron Judge go. Imagine being the fan of a team that hasn't won a World Series in 13 years, because I could never even imagine. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to do with that. <laughs> I don't have to, thankfully. How about the other New York team, uh, the Mets? They're uh, they they won 100 games this year, uh, but Jacob Degrom, their their ace pitcher, is a free agent. He's had a lot of injury concerns, um, but man, when he's when he's on, he's I mean, he, he shown no signs no signs of slowing down this year. He was still great. Uh, does, does is there any possibility Steve Cohen lets him get away? I mean, the Rangers sound like they want to really pursue uh, Degrom. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting thought. He he did struggle in his last what five or six starts. He he gave up some runs, um, but he looked he still looked fine. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I have I have the Mets signing him because I think they're the favorites. Um, but yeah, the Rangers are in. I, I I'm interested in that Braves deal to trade Jayco to Rizzi. Now they paid ten million of his salary, which makes me think, hey, they're not gonna they're not gonna make a big splash. But I mean that that could be because they maybe they moved over to Rizzi because they want to open up a spot. I don't know. Um there were a lot of rumors about the ground of the Braves before the season. You know, before during the season before and all that. And now it seems pretty centered on Mets and Rangers. Um I don't know. I it, it's the Rangers are gonna spend I mean, they they doled out five hundred million dollars for a middle infield last year and won sixty eight games. <laughs> How do you do that? I don't, think, I, I don't know. I, well, look at their pitching staff. Um, <laughs> I I don't know that you can really spend that kind of money on a middle infield, win sixty eight games, and then go, yeah, we're going to back off. I, I think I think you got to keep your foot on the gas, and and Jacob Degrom is a way to do that. Carlos Rodon's a way to do that. Um, Jake Odorizzi, who they traded for, not a way to do that, but it does help. I think that that's that, that's a that's a boost for them. But yeah, I think it's Mets or Rangers with Degrom. Um, I'm I'm curious to see if the Dodgers get involved because they love short deals. Um, their pitching is not perfect. I mean they they've got Julio Arias, they've got um, let's see if they can get Kershaw back in the fold, Tony Gonsolin, but and they gave Anderson the qualifying offer, but Walker Bueller is not going to be back probably in 20. 20- I mean, I, I've, I've seen conflicting reports there. Maybe he could, maybe he won't be. Um, but I would not bet on it. Um, who am I missing? I'm, I'm blanking on, on somebody else. Dustin, Dustin May. Oh, uh, Dustin May. Dustin May didn't look good. 
I mean, they, they, they do a nice job. They do a great job of developing pitchers. So I don't think that they'd be in a bad way if they don't sign somebody. I think they'd probably figure it out. But, boy, the Dodgers love those long deals with high AVs, don't they? I mean, <laughs> that yep. that Jacob deGrom to the Dodgers just makes a lot of sense. So I, I think they're a dark horse there. Well, and now we're going to again to kind of like the rumor mill where it's like, Jacob DeGrom doesn't like New York. No, actually, he does like New York. No, he actually wants to move to the South. Right. Like, okay, well, look, I'm sure he'll go where they offer him the most money. And I've heard he loves Kansas City. Just <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you know, just try the barbecue. You'll love it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't. He loves yeah. Food yeah, so, you know, the, wherever he gets the most money, and the Do- I can see the Dodgers being that, doing that. But, it's you know, I, it could be one of these teams that just offer some stupid money because they're desperate and they want to win, like the yeah. Rangers. And then does Steve Cohen match that? Because Steve Cohen seems like the kind of guy that would match that. Right. He, 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 oh, you got three years and $150 million from the Rangers? Well, I'll give you three years and 151 Yeah. <laughs> so come back. You know, I, I can see that too. So last year was, I think, kind of notable in that there was so many great stud shortstops on the free agent market. But this year, I mean, it's the same thing. We've got Carlos Correa, who's a free agent last year, didn't get the deal he wanted. So he signed a shorter-term deal with an opt-out with the Twins. So he opted out. He's back on the free agent market. Trey Turner, uh, you know, last year was with the Dodgers after a career with the Nationals. He's a free agent. We have Xander Bogarts, who somehow the Red Sox allowed to get to free agency after, you know, long-term negotiations fell through. And then you have Dansby Swanson, who you mentioned, uh, Braves handing out long-term deals like, like Candy, yet Swanson's not one of those guys assigned a deal. I don't know if that's probably more on his end than their end, but... Um, you have four shortstops out there. Uh, what's your best guess on where some of those guys end up? I mean, I had Correa to the Cubs. I don't know. I, he, he, his market is – it's interesting. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting winter, too, because, like, the Angels could use just about everything, and normally they're big targets to spend, but with Moreno selling, which I don't know if that's been confirmed or not. I think it maybe has anyway. It, it – they're kind of out, which which hurts a lot of these guys. Um, but if you look at this, the teams who struggled at shortstop, I think the Orioles would do really well to go after one of these guys. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. I know they've got some young players. I don't know. I, I would feel a lot better about them if they put Xander Bogarts in another lineup than than, than whatever they're going to run out there. I know I know they like all these guys, but. I don't know. If you if you really are serious about winning in the ALEs, you probably can't just go with young guys. Um, I think the Cardinals make a lot of sense for some of them. The Yankees could be in. Um, I know they've got a couple of young shorts in their system, so maybe they want to be a little more responsible. I don't know. Um, the Mariners are a team. Like I said, I don't know what they do with J.P. Crawford. I don't – they gave an extension. Was it just last year? I think it was. I think it was just early. Uh, yeah, it was not long ago, yeah. It feels like 10 years ago, but um, I don't know that he's a starting. I don't know that he's he's so good that you say, well, we're going to pass on Carlos Correa or right. or whoever because we've got J.P. Crawford. I just don't think that's, that's something you would say. So maybe, maybe them. I think the Giants, um, Brandon Crawford, I, I don't know. You want to say that he's, he's your starting shortstop for a year? Okay, that, that's fine. I mean, I, I – in my prediction, I put I put Bogarts on the Giants and basically said that he's going to play third base for a year while um, while Crawford's still there under contract, and, and the hope would be that the Giants can convince him to stay there because he probably should be staying at third base at this point. Um, 
I don't know. There's a lot of teams, I think, that could use, oh, obviously, a superstar shortstop. Um, I'll be interested to see how the dominoes fall because there's these four great shortstops and there's like eight teams who I think could be in on them. So <laughs> it'll it'll be interesting to see, okay, who ends up with one of these guys and who ends up signing Jose Iglesias. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's not that they're going to get a bad shortstop, but it's just it's Jose Iglesias compared to Carlos, Carlos Correa or Xander Bogarts or uh, Anthony Swanson or Trey Turner. It's they, you know there's there's a bit of a drop off, I guess. Yeah, and I, you know you you may say, oh, some of these teams have shortstops like J.B. Crawford, but you know, like you said, Bogarts I think probably should be sliding over to third at this point. You know, there's been talk about moving Trey Turner to the outfield. I mean, you can make it work. Shortstop it can move to any position. And, or you move the, the current shortstop to another person. Like you said, you don't say, we can't sign Carlos Correa because you have J.P. Crawford or Jorge Mateo in, in Baltimore. Like, you, you make that move. Look, we got Nicky Lopez. Why do we need a shortstop? <laughs> <laughs> it's, they're fine players, but eh, you, you, don't, you don't avoid a great player because of those guys. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, let's do Justin Verlander. We'll finish up with him. Uh, Astros, four, you know, he's going to be 40 years old, I think, next year. Coming off, but coming off one of his best seasons, um, I don't know. Is he, I haven't really heard many rumors about him. Is he like staying in Houston? I, I think so. <laughs> You're right. There, there hasn't been much out there. I, I saw some speculation that maybe he goes back to Detroit. I thought he would um, before last season. I thought he was going to, you know, the, the, I, my my prediction was the story is going to be, oh, Hero comes home after Tommy John, Tigers are ready to win, and then he stayed with Houston. Um, I, I think it happens again, but again, Dodgers, I could see it. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> In two years, three years, exactly what they love to do. I don't know. Yankees, they want to pair him back with Garrett Cole. What if, what if DeGrom leaves the Mets? They go out and get Verlander. I, I don't know. I, I think that he stays with the Astros, but it's kind of the same market as Degrom. Um, except for I don't think the Rangers have a shot at him. I think if if Justin Verlander's pitching in Texas, it's for the Astros. I don't. I don't think he's leaving for the Rangers unless they, I guess, unless they offer him like two years and 120 million or something stupid. But um, yeah, I I think he's back with the Astros, but I, I'm not. I'm not terribly confident about it. I, yeah, I think he, if he was to go anywhere, he'd be a contender. Somewhere he'd feel like he'd yeah. win another ring. Uh, he kind of, I don't know, like, this is one of the, I just talked about the rumor mongering about grasping at stuff that we don't know about. Like, does Kate Upton have a, a, a role to play here? Does he go to a large market like New yeah. York or L.A. because of her career? Good point. I, I really have no idea. Obviously, they made it work in Houston. Uh, but So I, I think the Yankees, but I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. I You know, I just... I know he's not coming to Kansas City. I don't. I feel strongly about that. So, no, he'll, he'll pitch in Kansas City. Probably. <laughs> There's road trips. <laughs> Let's take a really quick break. Uh, and then we'll come back. We'll get your thoughts on the. We'll get your Richard Lovely Lady update right after this. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and 
sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Well, uh, you know, the Royals are kind of rounding out their 40-man roster, and uh, they did add Richard Lovelady, who you might have forgotten about because he had Tommy John surgery this year. But they added him to the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft, as well as Samad Taylor, the second baseman they got from the Blue Jays for Whit Merrifield. Um, in, the, in doing so, they cut a couple guys loose, Luke Weaver, Gabe Spire, the left-handed reliever, uh, among them's catcher Sebastian Rivero. Do you have any kind of uh, reactions to those moves? I know that there may be some more moves afoot as they try to clear space to protect guys from the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess they're, they're right at 40 right now as we're, as we're Yeah, recording. I think Andy, Andy Rogers um, said they're at 40, yep. Yeah, so um, they're going to have to make some moves if they want to add anybody. Uh, they, you know, there, there's, there are players to go still. Um, <laughs> Ryan O'Hearn. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah. Wait, where, I, where did I hear that? Uh, <laughs> he, I, I, at this point, you know, I, I know that people are skeptical, but this is a. I think we've seen that this is a different organization now. I think we've seen that they are, they're operating, on a much more modern level. Um, I don't know that you can say they're the, they're turning like the Rays or the Guardians sometimes do or whoever, but I, I don't think. Makes it. I just, <laughs> I, I just can't imagine that. Although, not to, not to sing praises of Ryan O'Hearn, he wasn't bad in his role. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that he's just a first baseman who can stand in the outfield, but I mean, there are worse guys to get 120 at bats in a pinch hitting role if, if that's what you want to do. Just throwing that out there. I still don't. Think he makes it. Um, yeah. So there's, there's going to be some moves. I, I think I, I I had a hunch they were going to add Low Lady back. Um, I don't think he stays in the organization without at least a handshake agreement that hey you're going to be back in the forty man after the season. Um, I know different different regime in a lot of ways, so maybe maybe that changed things. But he looked really good in what like four or five outings after he came back this year. He only pitched a little bit, but um, I think he struck out like nine or ten in four innings and. Maybe walked one. Did he walk? I can't remember now. I think I think it was one walk. So, you know, he he, he looked good. Um, he's a part of. I think he's a part of the big league bullpen. He was really solid in 2021. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, my question: I wonder, does that mean they don't intend to Amir Garrett? What do you think? I I think because they have such little depth, I think they have to keep him. He's not making a I, I agree. ton of money and. He was hard to hit. I mean, his you know, aside from his high walk rate, he really not didn't have a bad season. You know, if you, unless you still look at ERA, but um, I, yeah, I think they probably keep him. But I, I see it can go either way. I mean, if they're going to be more transactional, like I saw people that were kind of like, oh, why they got rid of Gabe Spire? He was kind of decentish, but I think kind of think they're getting rid of all the marginal guys. Like like you said, I think they can make the twenty, the the twenty fifth. You know, the, the, they can improve the quality of the roster a little bit. Absolutely, and. I tend to agree with you on Garrett. It's just, I think adding Lovelady to the 40 man makes it, I don't know, 10% less likely they tender him, yeah. which, which I, I had it at like 90%, maybe it's 80% now. So I, I think they still do, but Lovelady helps. That, that, that's some nice depth in the way he pitched. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious. I, I was, 
I was not surprised, um, but kind of interested that they added Samad Taylor. Um, from what I've heard, he, the numbers aren't great in the AFL, but he looks good. So, um, so that that's been nice to at least hear about from people who have seen him on the field. Um, I, I go back when they made the trade. I saw him maybe 2019. I want to say. <laughs> I think he went like three for five or something. So I, I saw him on like the best day of his minor league career. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, this this guy, he's, you got to get some on Taylor. Come on. He's great. Um, and then he went like, Oh, for 22 in his next 60 <laughs> or something like that. But um, I, I think they like what he brings to the table. And I think that makes some sense. I, I don't know. There's, there are plenty of filler names they could cut. Honestly, I mean, I'm just looking at the roster right now. Garrett's a possibility. Keller, I think, is gone. Um, I wonder, did they move Jackson Coar? Um, I think they, I think they might. I mean, a trade. I, I don't think there's any. They wouldn't just release no, no, him. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, some team will take a chance on Jackson. Right, Coar. right, right. right. Um, the arm is too good. Um, you know, the other guy we just talked about, Richard Lovelady and Amir Garrett. Anthony Mizewich, I, I, I never remember how to say Masa- it. Masevich? Masevich, I think. Masevich, yeah. that's right, yes. I keep forgetting. We, we haven't seen him for a month, so I <laughs> forgot he exists. Um, but he was really good down the stretch. So, I don't know, they got they might have two lefties. Do they need a mirror game? I don't know. I, and, and Colin Snyder and another, you know. TJ Sikama may have to be out of the, he's, he has to be out of the forty man roster. I don't know if they see yeah, him as right. close to major league ready, but I mean, he's another lefty that could be in the mix as well. So, yeah, it yeah, could be. yeah, absolutely. There's there's some and Drew Parrish too. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's a huge risk to get selected in the Rule Five. And and I will say for all of the Royals' faults over the last however many years, they generally have a really good idea of who will and won't get picked. Yeah. They do a really good job of not losing guys who I thought would get picked in a heartbeat and they're just still there. So I think they got a little lucky this past year with no draft. Um, but I, they, they tend to have a pretty good handle on that for all their faults. So, some of the, some of that's I, having a very thin roster that no one wants your players. Well, some of it's they're not that good. <laughs> but but yeah. I mean, like you know, Whitmerfield obviously was unprotected for a couple of years there, and no, one, you yeah. know that that was that was a, a risk we're taking. Yeah, so. absolutely. So I don't know. There, I, I also wonder. You, know, you look at the outfield. I mean, did they, I, I could see them trading Edward Olivares. Yeah, um, yeah this, definitely. This might be selling high on him after his season in twenty twenty two. I think that he's he's not a centerpiece of a deal, but I think he could be part of a deal, especially if you say, look, we, we believe MJ Melendez is our left fielder. Drew Waters plays somewhere. And especially with the news that they want to go out and sign a bat, eh, Oliver, especially if he's right, right fielder, Oliver could be a guy who goes. And then Brent Rooker, I think, is, is a pretty easy non-tender um, come the deadline, too. So they, uh, they made a bunch of moves. They got a bunch more to make. I think, like I said at the very start, they're not going to make a move that sells season tickets, in all likelihood, but I think they're going to make a lot of moves. You know, that's a good point about Oliveras because, like, the first thing I thought when they, you know, that, that report that they were looking for a right-handed bat, uh, it was that, okay, well, the right-handed bats currently on the roster are probably in jeopardy a little bit. And, you know, first thing yeah. I thought was Michael A. Taylor because I think he's obviously a, a very – 
uh, high candidate to get, to get traded. The other one I thought is Hunter yeah. Dozier because he's not good anymore. Uh, but then right. Edward Oliveira is just because I, I don't feel like he's in their plans. Now, maybe that was under more under Dayton Moore, but, you know, they value defense. Oliveira has been kind of suspect defensively. He seems like the kind of guy that may be traded to another team that has an opening for, like, a reliever or something like that. So yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I could see them them, them moving him. So we'll have to I see mean, what they there's, do. I think there's an opening in Tampa, honestly. I think yeah. that there's – when the dust settles in Tampa, I could see them moving Randy Rosarena. Um, because they sell high a lot, and maybe Oliveira slides in. I mean, they, they've they've tried it with Tommy Pham. I think that they're not dissimilar. Yeah, um, they're not like identical, yeah. but I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the Royals end up doing. I know that they're, they're having the general managers' meetings right now in Las Vegas, uh, and and we're already. I mean, we're starting to see things pick up already. Already, you know, we've seen. Uh, the Padres signed Robert Suarez to a long-term deal already. It sounds like the Dodgers uh, are going to bring back forty-six million. Yeah, for a thirty-one-year-old that was pitching in Japan what two years ago. I, I I wanted the Royals to go after him, and I was like, yeah, two and ten sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, nope. Well, and, again. <laughs> and Alex Duvall at Royals Farm Report made a good point on Twitter. He's like, if if Robert Suarez, a non-closer, is getting forty-six million over five years, Royals probably be trading Scott Barlow because you could probably get a lot for him now if that's the reliever market. So, but yes, but I also wonder. The Padres are, are weird. Um, first of all, <laughs> but <laughs> but also, do they think? I mean, maybe he's their closer. Yeah. You know, they they've got Josh Hader for another year. Maybe they've signed him to be their closer from twenty twenty four on. And so maybe he's not. Maybe he got a closer deal, even though he's not a closer. So I I, I agree. I think that Barlow should be at least shopped. Um, you know, I'll go back to the trade deadline. If if the Royals were offered what the twi- where the um, the Orioles got for Jorge Lopez for Scott Barlow, I would I'm glad they said no. So you know, I, I'd, I'd want to know what the deals are, but you're, he's you and, and Alex are both right. If <laughs> that's the market, bye Scott. Thanks. <laughs> really appreciate your time. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the Royals end up doing, uh, and uh, it's I think we're in for a well probably our most interesting off season in a couple of years. So that at least that'll give us something yeah. to oh, yeah. write and talk about. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap things up with our Royals review reviews. It'll be just you and me this week. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what you have to review this week? I I, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you watched Reboot on Hulu? Reboot? Oh, yeah. Uh, is that with uh, Judy Greer and uh, Keegan Michael Key? Ke- yes. Uh, no, I've not um, seen it. yet. Yeah, it's Keegan-Michael Key, Judy Greer, uh, Paul Reiser, um, what's-her-face from Crazy, Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, I'm missing, the guy from Jackass, Johnny Knoxville. Um, it's, so the premise is they are rebooting on Hulu an old, like, 80s sitcom. And it is absolutely phenomenal. The only bad thing I can say about it is it's only eight episodes in the first season because I got to the eighth episode and my wife and I are watching it and I'm waiting for the next episode thing to come up and it's taking me to golden girls, which <laughs> I like golden girls. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not against watching an episode of golden girls, but there's not an episode nine and it made me sad. And also because the eighth episode, it, it, it doesn't feel like a season finale either. So it's a little bit, a little bit surprising. Um, but it's, fantastic i mean that you can tell by the people in it that it's hilarious it's just it's really really good it's super meta i don't know it's it's i would recommend it to anybody it's fantastic 
That's definitely some people I like. Uh, so I, I will I will check that out on Hulu. That sounds that sounds, sounds like a good one to watch. Uh, yeah, I've also heard the Steve Carell show is good too. Oh, FYI. okay, yeah. I forgot what it's called, but <laughs> oh, is that the one? He's kind of creepy in that one, right? That's the uh... yeah. It's um, I, my my mom was telling me about it. She said you have to watch it, and I said well, I haven't had time yet. But it's it's a, they're half hour episodes, but it's not a comedy, which is kind of okay. interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Oh, that's my mom's recommendation. There you go. <laughs> Glad to have her recommendation as well. So that's that's good. Uh, so my real review reviews this week is uh, last week I recommended uh, the Boys of Summer, but only the first half because that's all I had gotten through. So I'm I'm <laughs> pleased to say the second half of Boys of Summer by Roger Kahn is also good. Uh, but it's 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 truly really like an entirely different book because the first half is about him growing up as a Dodgers fan in the 1940s uh, and then covering the team in the 50s. And then the second half of the book is uh, 20 years later in around 1970, he goes back and visits all the old players to see what they've been up to. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's just really interesting to see, first of all, what ballplayers were like back then. And it's, there's not much difference. They, they, they don't have life-changing money. Uh, I mean, it's one of the players, Carl, Carl Friolo, actually has to work in construction on the World Trade Center because he did not make money and kind of got screwed over at the end. But um, a lot of them were able to live off their reputation as, you know, executives in their hometown or or Pee Wee Reese was a broadcaster for a while, but uh, just kind of interesting to see the evolution of, of, of men over the years, you know, to go from being, you know, at the top of your game, your your athletic peak, your your fame, to kind of going being, you know, becoming a bartender in Pennsylvania, you know, in some small town in Pennsylvania, and, you know, raising your kids that you haven't seen in a while, you know, really much of their childhood, and you know, see some of, some, some of the consequences of, of that with some of the, the sons not really having good relationships with their dads, uh, but I think the heartwarming tale is the last chapter with Pee Wee Reese, and I won't spoil it, but just kind of his attitude uh, and the way he lived his life, uh, and, and him being a, a white Southerner who put his arm, consciously put his arm around Jackie Robinson to kind of send a message of like we're gonna you know, we're gonna play with him, and he's gonna be our teammate, uh, and he kind of lived his entire life like that. So that to me that was really affirming and, and kind of heartwarming that um, that that and then a good model to kind of live your life like be a be a good person be a nice person have a smile on your face and enjoy your life and so i really enjoyed the second half of that book so uh boys of summer by, by roger Kahn about the 1950s brooklyn dodgers uh check it out if you ever if you ever uh, uh see it at the library so it, it's a great book i will i can second that for sure yeah I, I can't believe it took me this long to read it it's always at the top of like best baseball book list so well, and, it, and it goes pretty quick too yeah. i mean i know you hadn't hadn't finished yet, but I, I think I I may have read it on a on a vacation. Like yeah. started on the flight, maybe finished it on the flight home. Um, so it's it's a it just it's a, it's a good read. I, I agree, one hundred percent with you. Yep. <laughs> well, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thanks so much to David Lesky for being on. Definitely check out Inside the Crown. Uh, sign up for his newsletter. Have it in your email box in the morning. Uh, he does great work. Uh, with the free agent list. Uh, he has a nice prospect list out now. Anything else you're, you're working on you want to kind of promote to the listeners? Uh, I've got a bunch of, like, you, you know how this goes, like 40% written. <laughs> yeah. um, look, look, back, look back on the season. Um, there's one, I started writing about Chris Bubich, and I've got like 1,600 words, and I feel like I'm going to scrap it and start over. Oh, that's <laughs> but, the worst feeling yeah. in the world. I know. Well, it just kind of started to meander. Um, but stuff like that. that that'll that come out. 
I'm going to have to take a break at some point for a few days. There's going to be a baby. Um, but That's, that's when the world's going to make their big trade, you know. I, I know. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, if you want to know when they're going to make a move, I will just send a tweet, wife in labor, Royals move coming. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, definitely uh, sign up for the newsletter and check out Inside the Crown. David, so much, thanks so much for being on. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time. Hey!